0: Welcome to Beyond Politics. I'm your host, Paul Hodes, with my co-host, Matt Robeson. We're broadcast on WKXL. I am an FM podcast wherever you find your podcasts. And if you're listening by podcast, please make sure to subscribe to the Beyond Politics podcast. Well, in 2015... Donald Trump famously attacked Senator John McCain's five years of torture as a prisoner of war in Vietnam, saying he's not a war hero. He was a war hero because he was captured. I like people who weren't captured. For Fred Wellman, that was the last straw. Fred had been a Republican his whole life, but he'd also graduated from West Point and spent 22 years in the army. But at that moment in 2015, he knew to paraphrase Ronald Reagan, that he would not be leaving the Republican Party, it was the Republican Party that had already left him. Wellman ended up becoming the executive director of the Lincoln Project, and most of us remember their aggressive viral videos attacking Trump in the last election. But if Fred thought that the rise of Trump and his many outrages against the Constitution were the low point for America, The insurrection on January 6th, 2020, showed that there was a lot lower to go for the forces of Trump. So once again, Fred's decided to do something about it. He's founded the Beer Hall Project, a new super PAC with a goal of battling Donald Trump and his supporters who are trying to rewrite the history of what really happened on January 6th. So we're really pleased to welcome Fred Wellman to Beyond Politics to tell us all about it. Fred, good to have you here.
1: And Great to be here. I really appreciate it.
0: So let's plunge right in. Take us back to January 6th. You're a veteran. You've served this country. You worked as hard as anyone to see Donald Trump defeated in the election. What was your reaction to the events of that day? What stood out for you?
1: That was probably one of the darkest days I've seen since 9-11. And and, and since 9-11, I, was, I went to war three times and lost men in combat. And I, I was at home that day. We were celebrating. I was still celebrating our, our Georgia runoff victories. We were real proud of that. I had actually led. I was, I was a part of leading Lincoln Project's efforts in Georgia for the runoff. And then that entire event, I have to be honest, if my son, my 23-year-old son hadn't been to my house that day, I'm not sure. There was a a few tweets that got sent. He goes, yeah, you got to delete that tweet. Okay. Keeping me under control. It, It was just, it was gutting. To, to see our own capital under attack, the violent attack on our democracy. I, I saw it from the very beginning exactly what they were trying to do it was an attempt to um, stop the electoral count. It was an attempt to uh, keep Donald Trump in office through violence. His silence, the hour, as the hours weighing on, where, where uh, Mr. Trump stayed silent and he could have ended it, were gutting to me. I, I, I have, honestly, I, I remember distinctly spending the full day watching TV on 9 on 11 in 2001. It was a safe feeling sitting in front of that TV all day long, just watching these events unfold, feeling helpless, unable to do something. And 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 I realized after that I'm not completely helpless. I've been very blessed. I, I've had this opportunity. I mean, it wasn't. It really wasn't. It was only a few weeks after that I took over as the executive director of the Lincoln Project. That was one of the motivations for that. Frank it was like, you know, and then and then now a year later, we've started the Beer Hall Project for the same reason that the recognition that our democracy is truly fundamentally fragile that if we don't fight for it and recognize the danger we face and give in to the lies and deceptions of a, frankly, sadly, much of a political party, we are very much in danger of losing our democracy. And I just can't sit on the sidelines.
0: I just want to follow up for a second, because uh, as of January 6th, you'd, you'd already made a huge shift. You had, you'd had you made the huge shift. You'd work, worked to de- defeat Donald Trump. He'd been defeated. While you were working on the Lincoln Project, and right up to January 6th, had you been seeing signs that January 6th was possible? Had you seen anything in your work with the Lincoln Project that, that, that was any indication that this is where we were headed?
1: I've always, uh, I, I've always been wide-eyed and, and eyes open about what the potential was in the dangers and the big lie and the, and, the, and the acts that Mr. Trump is doing. I've seen, I watched the oath, you know, as a veteran, especially as a veteran advocate. I spent, I spent ten years as a professional veterans advocate. I saw firsthand how the growth of politicization of the military the growth of organizations like the Oath Keepers and the and the Proud Boys who are using military veterans and, and, and law enforcement personnel, the, these organizations and their efforts to undermine our democracy were real and growing. And so I watched in horror as I saw Trump and his his, his advocates like Steve Bannon and others were, were urging violence. I and mean, you had to be I mean, honestly, you had to be completely oblivious to what's going on to not see January 6th coming. I mean, there, there was there was no question in our minds that there was a potential for violence. There was a potential for Trump to invoke or empower his followers to violence. And we've seen it. We had seen it previously, right? So so yeah, I, I think that doesn't make it better, right? But it does make it less ex- unexpected. I do believe we we had been, I think we just a lot of us are comfortable believing that things like this could just never happen in America. It's just, we have a long history of peaceful transitions of power. We've we've never not had a peaceful transition of power. You, you get sort of comfortable in the belief that your country is immune to these things for which I've seen overseas in my service and for which I studied and my father served in World War II. So so I do think there was a certain amount of disbelief amongst us, so many of us, that it could happen. And, and to be candid, the reason the People's Project started because even since then, I do believe there's a there's this desire to Act like it was an anomaly and go back to quote normal. Something I say quite often, and I when I talk to folks, is normal's gone. the The, the idea that we can just go back to normal uh, after Trump and after January sixth is the height of self delusion, and 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 will only cause more problems for us. And I do think that's what we're seeing a year later. We're seeing this this idea that we can just go back to business as normal. If we, if we just pass good policy, it'll be fine. When a lot of us don't believe that there are forces at work right now in our country that continue to undermine our democracy and will not stop until they're able to maintain power and abrogate and our votes and, and ignore the will of the people. Well, it's an interesting connection that you drew a moment
2: ago to the experience of watching the events of 9-11 on television yeah. and then later watching the events of January 6th. The key distinction being that you didn't have a big segment of our country rooting for the terrorists on 9-11, right. and then you didn't have 140 members of Congress turn around and vote somehow on the side of the terrorists in the immediate aftermath, even after- like we did on January 6th. So for me, and I think for a lot of us and for, the, for folks listening and watching this on video, that was a watershed. There was a line a very bright line that was crossed that day. I can clearly see in, 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 in watching you and in listening to you talk about this, that it crossed a line for you too, as committed as you had been up to that point, I I, I can see that there was a real difference from that day. Yeah. But there are a lot of political organizations out there. Now, you're clearly good at this and you've worked for a, a high profile political organization working to defeat Donald Trump and the forces of Trump. But why start a new political organization why what sets beer hall pack apart
1: well that's the thing a lot of these organizations there's a lot of organizations have addressed uh, addressed january 6 my my organization the Lincoln project i'm the sole advisor for is attacking it there's there's some political traditional plaques like operation 147 and the january 6th project these are all great but what we saw as we were developing our our, as we were looking at our options and how we as a group my my co-founder cyrus uh, shick and i is that there wasn't a group that was saying look here is the historic analogy that has occurred in the past that led to, led to the, the loss of freedom in other countries. Germany obviously with the Bureau Hall push, and the aftermath. Ten years later, when 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 Hitler became chancellor and then of course dictator for life. But Mussolini, who marched marched to uh, Rome and took over. There's even history people forget that there was a there was a right wing march to France uh, in France during World War II before World War II or at the same time frame that ended up leading to a, a new prime minister. So even in a country like that, free country, we, we forget because it didn't turn into a dictatorship. But but there's there's historic examples right left. So we felt very strongly that there was a, there was this. There's this erasure going on of January 6th. There was an effort by, especially the Republican Party, the Republican Party specifically, to sort of turn it into, you see the joke about it, it was just a mass trespassing. And that's that was the big line during, you know, oh, it wasn't as, you know, oh, you guys show the violence, but you don't show the other side of the Capitol where little old ladies were being walked in like there were tourists. Like, there's this this erasure and this rewriting of the history. And meanwhile, the really terrible part is this hidden part. 500 plus laws being fielded in 47 states to reduce voting rights, to secure the elections, to ensure that if an election board doesn't go think the way why, that the Republican state legislature could take over that election, alternative electors play it to me. There's these, there's this insidious movement after January 6th. So that's why we picked the Beer Hall Putsch. You know, some people say, well, January 6th is our Reichstag fire. No, it was our Beer Hall Putsch. The history of it, Hitler tried to take over the Bavarian government, the the, the which was actually a dictatorship that's their story. <laughs> he, he tried to convince the, the the state secretary of Bavaria to support them. They were going to gather their forces, march to Berlin, just like Mussolini had done. Unfortunately, Mr. Carr uh, refused to cooperate. Activated his troops and the state police, they stopped the Nazis in the streets on 9 November 1923, led by famous general, Ludendorff. I mean, there's just some really weird barrel <laughs> general, general Ludendorff was his figurehead, He's familiar. 16 Nazis were killed, four state police were killed, and Hitler was a drug. Got a kangaroo court and, and figured out in prison, uh, when he was in prison, just briefly for about nine, 10 months, that his way to power would not be through violence. That his way to power would be manipulating the, Democrat, the weak De- democratic levers of power in the uh, Weimar Republic. And so in many ways, what we do focus on the real push, that violent day, uh, on January 6th, that violent day, but the real truth of the matter is it's the aftermath. It's that our country's in danger. If we focus just on those days and say, well, it's over, what we're missing is the march towards what I would call autocracy or uh, manipulation of our democratic government uh, towards an end of further power for those who instigate all this. So, So for us, the motivation was, look, we have to wake up to the reality that we face an imminent threat to our democracy. We have to reach average Americans. And this is where we're a little weird. My partner, Cyrus, will we'll, we're going to do research. We're going to do messaging. We're going to do surveys, focus groups, because we do realize that some 27% of the American public is simply not connected to this. They're not connected to politics. Anybody who works politics, there's a, some people, I was just talking to a democratic leader, what's the, the missing Obama voters, right? Someday they'll be missing Trump voters. I don't know, but there's just a large body, part of our body politic, part of our citizenry. They're just simply disconnected and don't see this. And if we can reach them and, and, and make them understand, break through the, the, the various propaganda networks, their assault in their ears and eyes and say, look, here's what's really happening in our country. How do we talk to each other? How do we talk to those disinterested people and activate them to make them realize that there is a threat and they can participate in our democracy in a way that's constructive and brings us forward? Because there are the extremes. And, and if you look at the spectrum, we really hear from the extremes nowadays. I know, I'm sure you guys do it. It's it's the death threats I get in my DMs, right? <laughs> and that's fine. But there's a large swath of our cell citizens who are simply disengaged. So our big one of our biggest goals is to do the research, do the hard work to, to reach those disengaged Americans with the right messaging and and, and Publish that finding. And let let others reach out to them and figure it out. So we can actually talk to each other and and, and break through this noise. So anyway, at the same time, we're going to push very hard on those who instigated us. Josh always right in the middle of our logo for a reason. Um, we don't believe those who instigated. By the way, if you guys saw it right before we went on the air, seditious conspiracy charges against the Oath Keeper Stuart Rhodes. So they've wow. actually arrested that. So they just arrested Stuart Rhodes for seditious conspiracy. That's significant.
2: And, and you alluded to your logo and your whole aim and, and the historic parallels that you're drawing to the beer hall putch. And I was going to ask you to sort of summarize all that, but you actually created a video to do all that for you. And you got the actor Edward (laughs) Norton to narrate it for you. So let's just take a pause here and let's listen to that for, for just a second. We
0: built the greatest political movement in the history of our country. There's never been a movement like this ever, ever.
3: Sure there has. From Hitler's failed Beer Hall Putsch in 1923 to Trump's failed insurrection one year ago, there is a familiar rhythm to what happened there and then and what's happening here and now. First, they try brute force. And we fight, we fight like hell. Then they co opt the process.
2: On January the 6th, I objected during the Electoral College certification. We're not the past. We're the future.
3: Right now, the Republican Party is restricting voting rights across the country and installing followers in all levels of the election process so they can do in 2024 what they failed to do in 2020, steal the election. It cost millions of lives to stop them once they got rolling. The question is, will we stop them now? We won't find the answer inside the Beltway. So we're going out to listen to everyday Americans, the ones who salute the flag instead of using it as a club. We'll take on the lies and stop their attempt to erase what was in fact a traitorous insurrection. And we'll infiltrate their propaganda networks to counter their misinformation with truth. Because the way we stop what happened there from happening here is to keep the power of our democracy with the people. Join us.
2: So, okay. First off, how did you get Edward Norton? And I assume that when we put this episode out, he's going to go ahead and retweet that for us, right? I hope so. I'll
1: ask. Well, it's funny. It's it's the I'm very I'm very fortunate, man. Working at the Lincoln Project kind of allowed me to meet some really good folks and who joined our or or support of our mission or otherwise, just support of the effort I was doing. I've, I've been very blessed to have a pretty large Twitter following. And I've connected with some really great folks. Like we did an ad with Sally Sullenberger, my friends, Rachel and Alex Minman, and Mark Hamill was kind enough to to do an ad with us about absentee voting. And so Edward had, and I had actually connected on Twitter during the general campaign. Surprisingly, we have a little bit in common, world famous actor, but his father's actually a Marine, a Vietnam veteran. My dad was a Marine in World War II. But he's politically connected that way and and, 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 uh, and passionate about the issues we face. And we've made, remained, maintained contact and occasionally just kind of text back and forth and talk. And so so when we decided to launch the Beer Hall project, I actually reached out to a few folks and, and let them know, hey, this is coming. Um, got this new project. I hope you'll be interested in it. And when I, when I mentioned Edward Levno, he, literally his response was like, well, do you need a, do you need somebody to narrate your video? I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I didn't really get a yes chance to ask him. He just kind of took it. So and that's uh, the, by the way, time. that's the kind of yeah. offer
2: that you say yes yeah. to. It's like the movie Ghostbusters. Like, right, we'll if someone that. says, are you a God? You say yes. If Edward sure, Norton yeah. says, can I narrate your video? It's like
1: twist my out. arm. Yeah. yeah. So, so the director of that's so a wonderful guy named Jay Tescano. He did my ad for the Vimmons, and he did the ad with uh, Sully Sullenberger. He actually actually won a number of awards for those, frankly, uh, ad awards. And uh, so bringing that skill set together the, the, it was really powerful. So it, it did help us quite a bit coming the gate to have such a powerful voice as an, and a partner to, to help us. And we had a spectacular with that. It's got over 400,000 views or more, I think, on Twitter alone, which is really remarkable since we had zero followers a week ago. <laughs> so so it's, been, it's been a great start.
0: So, Fred, there's a rule in politics. Uh, There are lots of rules, but one of them is never compare anything to the Nazis. It, it rarely goes well. There, there are Republicans right now are getting in trouble for talking about vaccine mandates and Nazis. And we've seen, yep. we've seen Boebert and Green and all these, all these people are getting in trouble. You're an experienced operative and you <laughs> break that rule right off the bat in your video. With in the, with the name, name, yeah. Name of your pack. Why? I, I mean, well, do you feel confident that the historic comparison holds up, or are you worried about insulting people? I mean, you caught a lot of flack already from self-styled uh, supporters, Republican supporters of, of Israel saying you're being anti-Semitic, and this is yep. not without
1: controversy. So, so what's, nope. what, what's, what's, what's the pitch? Well, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Lego project guy, so I'm not afraid to say tough things. We we recognize over that a little bit. Actually, I would probably not as much as you think we would. I, I, I believe that that kind of thing is exactly our problem that the 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 idea that well you can't you can't say it's like the you remember the meet the parents you can't say a bomb at the airport <laughs> you just don't say bomb and, and it's the same thing oh well, you can't say not so like well the thing is there is a we're not talking about how we're not talking about the holocaust i'm not about i'm not talking about what happened after 1933 what i'm trying to prevent is the whole idea that someone's able to manipulate their democracy to take power right and, and without question, the Beer Hall Putsch and, and, and the Nazi March to Power for 1923, 1933 is a historic example of parallels that we can. Like, I told you, he had Ludendorff. We got Flynn. They had the Blutendorf, which, which believe it or not, I mean, if you guys saw during the Virginia uh, governor's race, they actually had the audacity to take a flag that was flown to the Capitol and have every story of the Pledge of Allegiance to it during a rally. It's insane when you sit back and see these historic parallels. So we made, it is a bold decision. We have taken flag, We've already had some right wing media hits and the old joke that you're over the target because you're catching an aircraft fire we're definitely catching a flak you know <laughs> and and that's okay. I mean I, I think we're gonna have to make people uncomfortable. It's a very uncomfortable conversation. And I'm and 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 I'm not I luckily as a as a Lincoln project guy I'm not afraid of being called things and names and attacks on my person like they do. They always do. But in the end it's about our democracy. So we I, we decide very carefully to to thread that needle and say look there there is a historic example of the Bureau Hall push We don't want that to happen here. And so we're going to we're going to be very upfront and honest that that if we don't have these conversations, we're going to fail. Look, you know, look, I'm going to be upfront and honest
2: right here. And I'm going to cut rudely across you because we actually have to take a very quick break. for Radio listeners on WKXL. So here we go. I'm Matt Robeson for my co-host. Paul Hodes we will be right back on Beyond Politics in just a moment. Welcome back to Beyond Politics, broadcast on WKXL and available wherever you get your podcast. Also available wherever you get your videos. We're making this as a video that you can find on all kinds of platforms. But don't forget, if you're watching us on video, we are on WKXL radio and we are a podcast all of our content is always available as a podcast. So head to your favorite podcast listening platform and please do subscribe. Speaking of things that you should check out, we are talking in this hour with Fred Wellman, the founder of the Beer Hall Pack. It's not what it sounds like. If you're thinking it's about old time, good timery, it's not. It's about. Yeah, well, eventually, if you win, that'll come. But for now, it's about trying to overcome the authoritarian insurrectionists who are trying to take over America. Not a light and fun topic, but we're managing somehow to have as good a time as we can have with it. And we were just talking before the break about the fact that Fred got noted Hollywood actor Edward Norton, who's awesome, by the way, to narrate the announcement video, which now has 400,000 views or something on Twitter, climbing every day. I'm sure you'll see this video on Twitter as well. And so you're off to a big splash. You're off to a, a great start with the Beer Hall Pack. But I want I want to kind of go back to what it is that you're aiming specifically to do. Because as we were talking about a minute ago, there are plenty of organizations. There's a lot mm-hmm. of firepower aimed at mm-hmm. the folks who enabled and after the fact said, hey, this insurrection, that was okay. There were 140 Republican members of Congress who voted not to certify meaning that's that sounds too processy they said let's overturn the results of the election why because we're too afraid of the big lie we're too afraid of donald trump we're too afraid of the crazies out there and we're buying into this we're wholesale buying into this we want to we want to have a coup and overturn the the results of a free and fair american election just because we we're too beholden to donald trump it's it's scary and it's Mm -hmm. and it's awful but then you get to the part of, well, what are you going to do about it? So we're just touching on that just a, a little bit a minute ago. Mm-hmm. Your video talks a little bit about what Beer Hall Pack is going to do. Let's let's dig in. So it recently emerged that in the run-up to January 6th, there was something on the order of 10,000 Facebook posts a day, basically mm-hmm. parroting the big lie and saying, hey folks, let's get violent. Let's Let's do something about that. How are you going to dig in, reach that that 27% of the American public that you were talking about before who really don't connect in any way to, to just how profound a threat we face here, how are you going to fight that information war or, or get across that we need to get rid of these enablers of
1: the big lie and the insurrect? Right. And, and, and where we come in and, and where most PACs and super PACs come in is we, we do things that campaigns can't. Look, your average congressional campaign doesn't have time to try and do the deep research and focus groups and and, and sit down surveys to figure out how to reach disconnected voters and how to activate them, be they Democrat or even Republican. The the power of a PAC that sort of format is that we can invest money in having those conversations. We will, we don't, I don't have the answers yet. We will ask those questions. We will do this. We will do the work to talk to real people and, 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 and talk to real scientists to to get at like how do we activate those folks? How do we use that information to preserve our democracy? And so you'll see that we're the lo- we're in the middle of the midterms already, right? It's an on year. I, I'm working with some candidates who are running for office right now, and 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 again they're running to keep up to, to win their race. They're they're trying to win their primaries right now. No one's saying, okay, what if we don't have a democracy? I mean, what what it, it doesn't matter if 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 we look at look at Lincoln County, Georgia. A new election new election official got in there. He's Republican. They're closing. Six of seven polling places in the county. This is a rural county northeast of Atlanta. Some people are going to have to drive 45 miles to vote. At the same time, they're trying to restrict absentee balloting and drop boxes. This is insidious and direct efforts to limit the votes of specific people that don't want voting. Right. We joke about there's 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 great stories and true stories of enacting a voter ID law and then closing all the DMV offices and had me located in a public transport late. Right. And so so what we see is an insidious effort across our country to restrict Americans' right to vote. So so while candidates are out here working their butts off to get their votes, to to get to little polls and all my fear and a fear of my my colleagues is it won't matter. Because if, if an elected official can just simply throw out votes because they lick the stamp, you left instead of right. <laughs> and so so we've decided to do an organization that's very directly responding to the efforts since January 6th to undermine our democracy and undermine. Now, is that a voting rights thing? Yes, but not, not it. There's voting rights organizations. There's organizations who are more traditional PACs. We're going to actually donate to candidates and help them win their elections against the insurrectionists. Uh, and that's great. We just didn't want to be another one of those. And so we're going to do a lot of work on on direct efforts to reach people so they understand, engage, and then I'll hopefully get out and vote before their device Sports too late, and, and realize the danger. Now, at the same time, we're also doing weird things. If you look at the if you look at our ad there, there's the there's the mysterious guy in black at a computer. We are actually going to fund. Our intent is to fund organizations and partners which we have uh, good friends that I'll leave un, unnamed for now for safety, but who are actually aggressively seeking out. The, the organizations, the Oath Keepers, the pr- the Proud Boys, the Patriot Front guys, who are undermining democracy and actively trying to and cause violence in our country. These groups are actually inter- you know, infiltrating their groups, outing them to the law enforcement, helping law enforcement. I've been a part of one of the groups that was going through the video from the Capitol that day, where we one of the guys who's a Capitol Hunter enlisted a group of us who are veterans to. Look at a picture and say, "Okay, is that a real veteran or is that a cosplayer?" Right? <laughs> because there's a lot of guys there who weren't veterans or dressed like it. But there was a lot that just look at them. They served. We were able to identify a guy who actually showed up in his unit patch, for example, as actual military unit. So, so those efforts are very direct efforts to go after the January 6th insurrectionists and then prevent that from happening again. But that's I think that's the difference for us. And and yeah, look, I don't have all the answers now. I'd love to sit here and say, "Yeah, we got to all figured out." Hey, this has been a crazy. I mean, we 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 got this idea in October and frantically launched it by January 6th. So so I'm, I'm humble enough to say I don't have all the answers yet. Like a lot of good startups, right? You you launch with a, a basic concept of where you want to go, what you need to do that. But, and then things happen. Like I think I mentioned earlier in our conversation, we've had, or an earlier conversation, I've had journalists reach out to me and say, Hey, I'm a retired investigative journalist. How can I help? Oh, well, let's, let's look at that. How can you help? Let's, let's do some actual investigations that we could publish to show people what's going on in our country and put it in a way that we can wake people up to the dangers they face and, and, and hopefully Engage our democracy before it's too late. So, so we're not a traditional pack. Now, so a lot of people say, well, "Why a pack?" Well, it's partisan, right? I mean, I, if we were a C three, a traditional nonprofit, a C four, I would go through great pretzel twist and not be partisan, right? Because that's the way those those structures are organized. Look, there's no way to say it, it, they were not carrying Biden flags to the capital. Okay, they were not carrying Hope flags to the capital. They were carrying Donald Trump flags. Okay, they they tore down. I get I get choked up. They they they. They lowered the American flag in the Capitol and hung a Trump flag, okay? So there's no way not to be partisan when the st- sitting president's partisan supporters attacked our Capitol. So we're gonna be partisan back. Look, there's one thing
2: that Paul and I, I think can can speak to in, in what you just said about the effectiveness of an outside pack if it's designed well and occupying the right niche, because there is a gap. And I mean, Paul, you've run two successful, campaigns for the U.S. Congress. You've been a U.S. Congressman. I have been a campaign manager and a chief of staff in Congress where, look, half your job is worrying about the politics of the next campaign. And I can tell you that what you just said that really perked my ears up is very true. When you're on the campaign, I mean, Paul, you can speak to this. You do not have the time to do the kinds of deep dive analyses conversations with voters, figuring out what the pressure points are, you have the time and the money to do standard polling, to basically figure right. out what messages are you going to put in your mail and on TV? What are you going to say at the doors when your volunteers knock? That's pretty much it. That's what you've yep. got the horsepower to do. And so you do need that kind of outside support. I don't know, Paul, I mean, does that ring true for you?
0: Absolutely. I mean, especially in the modern political environment, where right. there is so much information and disinformation, and things are now so polarized that as a candidate, and I'm a former congressman, so there are a lot of candidates who actually come and ask me, well, give me advice. Tell me. What can you tell me about running? What what, what am I going to face? How am I going to do this? How, how am I going to get my message out? Yeah, I've got consultants, but I want to talk to a former congressman who's been there, yeah. been there, done that. And it, what Matt is was a really good chief of staff, and when he switched over to the campaign side, he was really good at helping me stay on my message. And yeah. if, as a candidate, you've got to stay on your message. And you just don't have the time. There's no bandwidth in the organization to take on in a deep and concentrated way these kinds of, of really critical underlying issues um, in right. terms of taking on how are we going to change hearts and minds? Uh, because it strikes me that, that your experience in Lincoln and now you're, you're at your, your startup with the Beer Hall project is after changing hearts and minds. And while you say, yeah, we're a startup, we, we don't see the ways, you, you did list a lot of really good and smart things that you're already thinking about and or doing to support yeah. the efforts to change the hearts and minds. Because, and, and I just want to, the quick segue is, changing hearts and minds is really tough in the current environment because the misinformation has been so powerful. The denial is so deep, the lust for power is so strong, that that and, and the fear is so great, that it's a really it's, it's a challenging task. So what I want to ask is this. Ab, you, you've been through the experience with the Lincoln Project, and now you're mm-hmm. digging into the roots of the insurrection and the event itself. What jumps out to you as, as shocking or surprising or something maybe we all heard but already forgot? And, and taking it back to what I was just saying, because it's so easy these days for the Trump team to flood the zone in our brains with so much insanity. I mean, so much whack job craziness, so much outrage, so much scandal norming. I mean, that what? where is the new normal? Where's the ground? So we can easily lose sight of one particular outrage among the flood of craziness. So what would you like the listeners and the viewers to remember what do you want them? What's the what's the what's the big thing for them to take away?
1: Well, that's a tough question. Uh, even though, uh, the thing is, there's there's a, a friend of mine introduced me the idea of, of these these penetrating exercises, right? Where and you named it where when we have someone breaks a norm so much, and then that 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 change in the norm does not re- aggressively corrected. Then that becomes the new norm, and that's exactly what you were just talking about, right? We we became so used to how many how many times did Kellyanne Conway violate the Hatch Act? I think 174 times, (laughs) and she and and she had exactly zero consequences. And so now the lesson is the Hatch Act's a joke. That, that you can stand on the White House podium and and, and flog Goya beans or uh, or a political candidate that there's no representative for it. So we face a time or give your Republican
2: nominating speech if you're the president
1: at the White House. That you know, kind using, of thing. using using our tax dollars as as a platform to apologize. A rule that we that stood for years. And so what we learned from the the Trump administration is what we believe were norms and traditions of of how we run our government were nothing more than than empty words. If you, if you have someone with without a moral compass and without any caring about your northern traditions. He spent an entire lifetime, his first rule has always been, is it illegal? And if it's illegal, how can I get around it anyway? Right. And so when you have someone with such a lack of a moral compass take over the, the, the streams of power in our country, then they do. Now, what saved us? He's also buffoon. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, he's, he's not he's not a well man. He's not, there's just something not right. I mean, you look at the way he speaks lately, especially he's gotten worse. He, he's not a well man. No, what's scary is the next guy, right? People dismiss Hitler as a buffoon. So saying that, I go back to Hitler was, I, I, I often, I've looked at the article, I don't know if you guys saw it, it goes around social media every now and then. There was a New York Times article that came out when Hitler was released from prison. It talks about he's come out a changed man and everyone expects him to quietly go back to Bavaria and live his life for the rest of his life. And no, he was the chancellor and a dictator and caused the Holocaust. Uh, World War, millions dead just 10 years later. So for me, the big takeaway is we must all wake up to the fact that there is a, a conscious effort through information and disinformation to have changed the norms and traditions of this country, and that norms and traditions aren't going to save us. We have to do the things we have. We, we have to urge our leaders to, to, to address the rules, to reset the, reset the line, and ensure there's actual firepower behind those rules before it's too late. Because, look, the, Trump taught everyone you can break the rules, there's no consequence. And the next one, the next guy won't be as foolish and we'll have a much better plan. And frankly, it's the current guy. Steve Bannon has made it very clear. This is the amazing thing about this to you guys, and you see it. They're telling us. They're they're on TV. They're on Bannon's broadcast. They're on this right-wing news. They're on the, the OAN. They're literally saying what they're gonna do. Bannon's literally saying, we're gonna train 20,000 people to take over the government the minute we get elected and we're gonna change everything. It's it's they are, they're, It's the height of hubris the height of insanity to ignore what's going on right before our faces. I, I had a conversation with a gentleman named Walter Shaw, the other day. I'm sure you guys know. Walter was the the head of the Office of Government Ethics, was fired by Trump. Has had some compassion about it. And Walter was was really upset about a month ago because he had a conversation with someone from the Biden White House, and he was he was saying, what are you guys doing about the ethics regulations? What are you going to do to tighten them? And the guy said, look, Walter, all of that's just an overreaction to Trump, and we don't want to overreact. And he was <laughs> emotional, as my old as my old boss General Petraeus used to say, he displayed the full range of emotions uh, and, and and I was with him. It's like, I'm scared to death that the people who now do have power believe that they're gonna be able to policy their way out of what happened over the last five, five years with a, and a, the lack of understanding that we have only a couple of elections and we might not get a chance to fix this. So, so for I- me, that's the motivation. Well, I was actually
2: about to turn this over to you, Paul. So you, you, dealer's choice here. You can make a point, or you can you can
0: oop my alley. It's your well. Well, uh, it's a jump ball, so I'm taking it. So Fred, I I I visited the floor recently to uh, visit my former. This is where I was going. This is exactly where I was going. We're
2: sharing a brain hode.
0: Yeah. Well, mind meld, and and my former colleagues on the Democratic side are are. Are are almost speechless. They, they, it's, it's almost that they are so outraged by what has happened that there is, I won't say a paralysis is set in, but they, they can't talk to their Republican colleagues anymore. They can't even look at them because they're so disgusted about what the way they what they have done and what they are doing and the way they're acting i mean it's gone far beyond just obstruction it's clearly right. like a bent to take power and use it for 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 bad for bad bad things and at the yep. same time at the same time while we have the january 6th congressional committee A lot of people are criticizing Merrick Garland at the Department of Justice, worried that he's not doing enough. President Biden took a totally different tone the other day in his speech, which Mitch McConnell McConnell (laughs) characterized, the old carbuncle characterized it as as a rant, an unhinged rant. Well, McConnell never had a thing to say when Trump was engaged in his unhinged rant. So anyway, not to get, I digress. But yeah. so w- we're seeing a variety of at least public responses to to what's going on. Are any are are any are any of the public governmental responses effective enough? Is is are they working? Are they gonna work? Are Democrats doing enough? are are are, are is the social media being employed enough? by those who feel the way you do about what happened. Is there enough going on and would any of your effort be designed to motivate those in power now, democrats who have the power, officials and and others to step up and do more?
1: Exactly. You, you know, so I I hate to I hate to say no, I, I am a Democrat now. I, I left the party, uh Republican party, but no, there there simply is not nearly enough being done. I mean, and there are those who get it. You do especially on the house side. The Democrats on the House side get it. And we're seeing great, great frustration on the Senate side. I do believe as I, I like Mr. Biden's administration. I, I don't believe that I, I just don't think they're i don't think they see it you know i maybe they do now i thought his speech the other day was was encouraging but it's been a year for god's sake how much time do we have i'm, I'm encouraged by the january 6th committee I'm, I'm encouraged by what just happened before we got on the air where we discovered that that seditious conspiracy charges have been leveled against stuart rhodes and found the Oath Keepers, a uh, man who's been anti-government since 2009 so so i'm encouraged i'm, I'm an old i'm an old helicopter so i'll tell you a thing i'm an old helicopter pilot and the thing about being a helicopter pilot is Something's always gonna go wrong. Just that's it. <laughs> it's, it's spinning parts and pieces. And when I drive a car and I hear a rattle in the back, I freak out and drives my family crazy. I'm like we because a rattle in the helicopter means something's about to go really badly, right? And so. So I'm always, we're, we're pessimistic people by nature because something's always about to go wrong in a helicopter. And so I am, I'm I, I, am, I, am, I am worried. That is a good chunk of our work. We're, we wanna find these answers how to reach these people, how what messaging works, what messaging lands and issue that. And, and hopefully our colleagues in the democratic side especially will, will put that to work, but you're right. There is not an aggressive effort to counter the disinformation. There's not an aggressive effort to to undermine the act, the bad actors that are undermining our country. Look, a lot of this is farmed. I don't know if you saw yesterday, there was, there. it's interesting, there was an entire. Entire um, bot army that came out supporting Merrick Garland, where it said, "Oh, Merrick Garland, people, you need to realize that Merrick Garland ran the Timothy McVeigh investigation without a single leak or a single uh, single thing getting out until so he caught him." Okay, it's completely false. Merrick Garland didn't run the Timothy McVeigh investigation. He was a he was a liaison from Washington D.C. Uh, McVeigh was caught in a week. Okay, <laughs> all right. So, so this, but the exact message was being used. Somebody posted pictures of some 100 different Twitter accounts using the exact same messaging in support of Merrick Garland. Who did that and why, right? And what's the goal of that? Uh, We are under assault aggressively from Bad actors, be it domestic and/or international, who are sowing these sewing these things. So I, I am frustrated, not enough being done to answer those questions. Why is an Eastern European bot farm farming negative messaging within our within our social media circles and being allowed to? It's it's an it's an attack on our government just as much as they were actually trying to like uh, attack our ports. And so mm-hmm. I do think we are. I say this a lot, and I'll finish on it because I know we're probably getting close. I know. Yeah. My fear, and and, and, and and as congressman, I'm sure you understand. My fear is that these wonderful democratic institutions we've built and rely on are just simply not prepared for this moment. That the traditional ways we ran the government, the traditional ways that were from our founding days of the way Congress is run, the way our government's run, are simply not prepared for the modern information environment and the ability for misinformation and violence to spread at the drop of a hat
3: compared to messenger
1: having to ride a horse halfway across the country. That is, I think,
2: that's the lesson that I, I think we really should take. What you just said is maybe the most important message, which is we're not prepared. Our institutions are not prepared. Paul, you've been a member of the U.S. Congress, and I think you can attest that the the institution of the U.S. Congress was not prepared and is not prepared for the onslaught of anti-democratic Trump forces and their outside foreign enablers. And we know there are many of those, as Fred was just alluding to. We did, I just interviewed Mark Jacob, a former editor for the Chicago mm. Sun-Times and the Chicago Tribune. Great episode. Check it out on Beyond Politics. And he basically made the same point that you're making, Fred. The media, editorial rooms oh, yeah. are not prepared for the onslaught yeah. of lying, the the complete brazen disregard for any notion of fact, norms. It, it's part of the point to lie. It's part of the point right. to flood us with misinformation and falsehood so that we we lose the ability to sift things out and i just i have to say because we we've literally got a minute left i want to turn that over to fred so fred just in 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 a minute or so you've got give me an encapsulated argument you you've been at the lincoln project obviously that group has had some successes some 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 misses what do you take from that experience what do you think based on that is going to make bhp Really effective at what you
1: do. I think it's what I took from my time at Lincoln Project is that that every every team needs somebody who's not afraid to be the hard guy. Right there, there's there if you look if you watch like uh, Ted Lasso. And if you watch second season of Ted Lasso, they brought Jamie Tart back. And they and Roy Kent decided the problem with Jamie Tart was that Ted turned him a nice guy. <laughs> right. And, and there's a great episode where they encourage Jamie to be himself, to be it, to be an, an ass. <laughs> and and what it, it helped win the game. And so the thing I learned at Lincoln Project is every good team, even a Demo- a pro-democratic team, needs someone who's not afraid to be the bad guy, to do the hard things, like, no kidding, say, hey, there's a historic parallel with the Nazis, right? Uh, you, you can't deny it, the linker Project made a conscious decision to be the tough guys, the the ones who weren't afraid of a fight, the weren't ones who were afraid to say hard things. So, right. so I'm very fortunate. The experience of linker Project has, one, given me sort of a back to as a fire, right? I, I, I've had all kinds of nasty stories written about my past. It's, it is what it is. And because of that, I'm a lot less... Um, Afraid of it, right? It's like, okay, you, you said something mean. So, so I, I the, I'm proud of the fact that we can come into this fight with the good guys, but not afraid to be the ones who throw a little weight around and not play soft. That We're is the perfect place
2: to end it. And thank you so much, Fred Wellman, for being on Beyond Politics. Thanks for having me.